All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Tonight I wanted to share a thought with you that I actually shared with our staff this past Monday morning and kicking off our, our staff orientation. And uh, I've added to it a little bit, staff, so hang in there with me. I know you heard it once, but you probably need to hear it again, and, and it'd be good for all of us this evening. And so we'll look at the first three verses to begin, and what I want to talk to you tonight about is unity. Um, and so let's look at the first three verses of Ephesians chapter number 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, uh, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so if I would take our title, I would take it out of verse number 3, that word endeavoring, and uh, to keep the unity of the Spirit. So endeavoring for unity is my thought this evening. Um, unity is more than just a, a goal that we should have. You may have it as a couple, a husband and wife to have unity, a family to have unity, a team to have unity, a workplace to have unity, a ministry to have unity, a church to have unity. But as a believer, it's more than just a goal. It should be a necessity in our lives. It should be something that um, we, we are willing to strive and work for, to endeavor for. Now, unity does not always mean agreement on everything. There are two different things, although we might relate the two thoughts together, agreement and unity. They're different. This evening, we voted on several matters, and I doubt that anything would get 100% approval. Uh, the vote has taken place and the outcome may not go the way that you voted, but there's still the desire for us to remain as a church in unity. Um, the majority of my message is going to be out in, is about endeavoring or working or striving. The, the word endeavor means to make extreme effort. And so the majority of my thoughts will be about endeavoring to keep unity. But I'd like you to take note, according to verse number 3, unity is a spiritual aspect. Again, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity is a spiritual venture. It's not a work of our flesh. It's not an effort of the flesh. It's not like us turning a switch on or off. I'm going to be unified or I'm not going to be unified. This comes from a submissive spirit, trusting and leaning on the Lord and His direction. Agreement is a physical or emotional decision, whereas unity falls more in line with a spiritual submission. Let me remind you that unity is, excuse me, spiritual, uh, the being filled with spirit, one of those aspects is submission. And so for us to be unified is not us just walking out of here tonight and in our flesh saying, that's it, we're going to be unified and giving everybody big kumbaya hugs and high five and that's effort, but in our spirits, asking God to bring unity, that's what we're looking for. And so for the glory of the Lord, for the sake of the church, for obedience to God's word, we must endeavor to be in unity. 
Now in Ephesians chapter number 4, Paul does introduce us to this topic of endeavoring for unity. And I believe most people, especially believers, they probably desire unity. I don't know that we're always willing to work for unity though. We, we wish that we could be unified. Uh, I prayed much about that over the last several weeks. Lord, let our church be together. Let us have a spirit of unity. That's what I desire. Not just during budget season or budget proposal season, but really we need that uh, 52 weeks out of the year. We need that 365 days out of the year. We need to be unified with each other with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lord wants that. We may desire that, but there's someone that doesn't want that. And that's Satan. And Satan desires conflict amongst us. And so he introduces things. He brings things into our lives and into our relationships to bring conflict. Now, conflict is possible in all relationships, isn't it? From the husband and wife that cannot determine where we're going out to eat tonight. You know, uh, where do you want to go, sweetheart? Uh, I don't care. Where do you want to go? Well, I don't mind. And, and we go back and forth. And finally, someone says, well, let's go to Carabas. Oh, I didn't really want to go to Carabas. <laughs> and it goes round and round. There can be conflict between husband and wife. And certainly there would be conflict in the church. A committee trying to pick the color of carpet in the nursery. Look out, all right? Ruth, we're giving you permission tonight. You just pick the color of the carpet, all right? Amen, church? Amen. All in favor, amen. Avoiding conflict. And so conflict is possible, so what should we do? Well, I think Ephesians chapter 4 gives us several thoughts on that this evening. First of all, notice in verse number 1, Paul is pleading with the believers. I, therefore, uh, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That you walk worthy. Paul pleads with the believers of Ephesus to walk worthy. Now he calls it a vocation that they have been called to. And you may say, Pastor, this is not a job. And you are correct. But it is a task. It is a position that God has given us here. And it could be in a lot of things. For a husband and wife, it's your marriage, it's your home, it's your family, uh, it's your church family, it's relationships outside the church. God's called you to these things. And we should strive to do them as unto the Lord. And so this is a vocation that God has called us to. And so we learn then in verse number 2, he shows us how we should do it. Now, you read verse number 2 in your, just read it in your heart there. Don't read it all out loud here. But you see words like lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing you start reading those words and don't they all don't they start getting convicting right away we know where it's going right lowliness that means a humble opinion of oneself a deep sense of one's littleness now before you get offended about being lowly minded you know who the greatest example of lowliness in the scriptures is you read, if, you read Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses sometimes, and in verse number 5, I believe it is, where it's describing lowliness, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in who? Christ Jesus. Jesus had this lowly attitude and lowliness about him. And if Jesus could 
uh, could live that way, then certainly you and I should strive for lowliness. Meekness. It's a word that means gentleness, mildness, kindness. Warren Wearsby would describe it this way. It does not mean weakness. It means strength under control. He would use a horse as an example, this large beast and, and a, a man of 180 pounds or a lady of 100 pounds sitting on top of this, this, this large beast with just a bridle in its mouth and a couple of leather straps and this horse submits itself to this other smaller individual that they could no doubt throw off of them, but it is demonstrating meekness. It's the same spirit we should display Long-suffering. You hear the idea of the word even as it's pronounced. It's describing one of patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance. And then forbearing. It means to hold up, to bear, willing to suffer. Listen, those are, those are uh, parts of us that, again, it's not a physical decision. It's not a, a decision that you and I say, you know what, I'm going to be more lowly. These are things that must be prayed into us and, 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 and guided into us by the Holy Spirit of God. These are impossible for us to be in our own selves. And then that leads us to verse number three, where we see the word, the two words I'd like to highlight, endeavoring and unity. You know what unity means. It means oneness, together. And then the idea of endeavoring is to exert oneself, give diligence, to labor. And so I am to labor for these things so that we can have unity. How can I endeavor? Let me give you a few practical thoughts and then uh, uh, four thoughts here from the Word of God this evening. But certainly we could pray for lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearance. We could make it a matter of a personal prayer request for ourselves. You could pray about yourself in this fashion. Lord, I need my heart changed. I need you to work within me. I need to be more of what is described here. You could adjust yourself. You could look at changing some things in your life that's going to produce a lowly spirit, a meek heart, a long-suffering individual and forbearance, working on changing some things. You could talk about it. You could get with a brother or sister in the Lord and you could discuss these things and how we need this in our life. And so that is a way to produce or to work towards, to endeavor towards, lowly, uh, towards uh, this spirit of unity. But as I mentioned here a few moments ago, conflict is the issue. Satan's going to cause conflict. His minions are going to cause conflict. And there are four specific things that Paul mentions here that are great practices for us. I won't make a lot of mention after each of these points, and so we'll be done in just a few moments. But notice with me, first of all, in verse number 15, Paul says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Uh, endeavor by speaking the truth in love. See, I can say the truth, but I can say it in such a fashion that it never lands where it needs to land. I can say what is right, but I can say it in such a harsh or condemning or hateful manner that it never hits the target. The other extreme of that is I can be so 
lovey-dovey and kind and gentle that I'm afraid to give the truth. And so Paul's not saying don't give the truth. He's saying just present it with love behind it, with a spirit of love behind it. Listen, we can be kind and gracious and, and still be truthful, even with unbelievers. It, listen, it is possible to have a conversation at Prince William County Fair with an unbeliever and give them the truth that is completely contrary to what they believe and do it from a heart of love that they, it lands, it hits. Or we could be, turn or burn, buddy. Come on, you got one chance here and, and whatever. And they're not, it's never going to hit the target, is it? But you come to them with a heart of love. You give this to them. It can work with brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, with believers. We've got an ought with each other. Hey, we speak the truth in love. And so number one this evening, to, to endeavor towards this and to overcome conflict, speak the truth in love. Look at verse 26 and 27. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And so not only do we speak the truth in love, we solve problems quickly. The longer you wait, the more difficult it gets to deal with something, doesn't it? Now, why don't we often deal with things immediately? We're afraid of more conflict, aren't we? We're afraid it's going to get worse. But in reality, that's a natural fear. It's not a spiritual principle. The, the truth is here, we're to get things right. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. My dad used to say that uh, you know, him and my mom had never gone to bed angry at each other. They would get it right before they went to bed. And then he would follow up and say, now we've been awake for three or four days at a time, but we've never gone to bed angry. That's not what this is teaching here. Before the sun goes down, before the day's over, get it made right. Get right with that person. And so solve problems quickly. And I understand, church, I have the same fears and reservations when Sammy and I get mad at each other. And I'm like, I know I ought to go talk to him, but I don't want to go talk to him because I know he's going to get it. You know, those are the things that go in our minds, aren't they? And we're not to be, by the way, we're not mad at each other. I don't think we've been mad at each other since last week, right? It's, it's been a while, right? At least a few days. But we've got to go to each other and make it. So speak the truth in love. Solve problems quickly. Number three, look at verse number 29. I love this verse, by the way. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I love the verse, but I don't always practice the verse. I don't always live the verse. I need to, but I fail at it at times. So here's the thought. We've talked about speak the truth in love, solve problems quickly. Number three, strike the problem, not the person. Please don't punch anybody tonight. Don't, don't, don't go after somebody tonight. But, but the problem? Go after that. Attack the problem. Strike the problem. Listen, at the bottom of every issue, there is an individual. At the bottom of every conflict, there is an individual. Don't look at your husband or wife. That's not who I'm talking about. It's Satan, right? Satan is a disruptor. 
Satan is one that is wreaking havoc in people's lives. And so strike the problem. Attack the problem, not the person. Again, with the example of me and Sammy there. Uh, listen, I may be angry at him for what has ever happened and really where my, my frustration and my, my aggression needs to go is the problem, not the individual. I need to go after what is causing this conflict and not let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths. Think about that. Anything that comes out of my mouth needs to edify. Now you think about what do you, well, even today, things you have said and to individuals you've said it. Have you, have you practiced that verse today completely? You know, we start reviewing our lives and thinking of our lives and the words that we let slip out and the phrases we let slip out and the, and the accusations and, the, and all the things that can come out of our mouths. Is it, is it edifying that person? Is it building them up? And that's the purpose of our words, or should be. And so speak the truth in love, solve problems quickly, strike the problem, not the person. And then notice the last three verses of this chapter, verse 30 down through 32. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Verse 30, we're not to grieve, to bring distress, to make sad, to cause grief. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Well, guess how you grieve them? Look at verse 31. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, these are things that grieve the Spirit of God. It causes a sadness, a distress, uh, makes, makes, uh, causes grief in, his, in him. And so these are uh, these actions that we should not do, where verse 32 says, how not to grieve him. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Here's our word, church, forgiving one another. I've given you three thoughts. Uh, the, uh, the first one there Speak the truth in love. Solve problems quickly. Strike the problem, not the person. Number four, share right actions, verse 32, not wrong actions, verse 31. Don't act like verse 31, bitterness, anger, wrath, malice. But let verse 32 be how we live our lives. Kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Unity, like most good things, must be prepared for and worked for. So prepare your hearts. Pray about lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearing. And then be ready to endeavor or work when conflict arises. I appreciate the good spirit here at Heritage. I appreciate um, the unity that we have. But you know who doesn't like it? Satan. You know what he'd like to do? He'd like to stir the pot. He'd like to shake the nest a little bit. He'd like to stir things up here a little bit, get, get people turned sideways with one another, cause problems. Don't, let's, not, let's work at that. Let's be ready for that, not let that happen. And let's endeavor for unity. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for the time in it. And I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to all endeavor 
and this spirit of unity. Well, thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're dismissed for treasure, Rainer Fouch received 97.6%. So Rainer will serve another term as treasure. It's a three-year term. Then our deacon position, it was a very close uh, election, but Mark uh, Bischoff had a 52.9%, Marcus Moyer 45.9%. And so Mark did get that, that majority vote, and so he will... Uh, be serving another three-year term. So we appreciate these men being willing to serve. Marcus, thank you for your spirit, brother, and your willingness to serve as well. And uh, we thank thank the Lord for that. Let's stand, and we'll be dismissed here after you stand. I just prayed. Have a good evening. Amen. (laughs) 